Section 19 of Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded, by Samuel Richardson. Section 19. He ordered dinner to be ready by two, and Abraham, who succeeds John, went behind the coach. He bid Robin drive gently, and told me he wanted to talk to me about his sister Davers and other matters. Indeed, at first setting out he kissed me a little too often, that he did, and I was afraid of Robin's looking back, through the foreglass, and people seeing us, as they passed, but he was exceedingly kind to me in his words as well. At last he said, You have, I doubt not, read over and over my sister's saucy letter, and find, as I told you, that you are no more obliged to her than I am. You see she intimates that some people had been with her, and who should they be but the officious Mrs. Jervis and Mr. Longman and Jonathan, and so that has made me take the measures I did in dismissing them my service. I see, said he, you are going to speak on their behalves, but your time is not come to do that, if ever I shall permit it. My sister, says he, I have been beforehand with, for I have renounced her. I am sure I have been a kind brother to her, and gave her to the value of three thousand pounds more than her share came to buy my father's will, when I entered upon my estate. And the woman, surely, was beside herself with passion and insolence, when she wrote me such a letter, for well she knew I would not bear it. But you must know, Pamela, that she is much incensed, that I will give no ear to a proposal of hers, of a daughter of my lord Blank, who, said he, neither in person nor mind or acquirements, even with all her opportunities, is to be named in a day with my Pamela. But yet you see the plea, my girl, which I made to you before, of the pride of condition, and the world's censure, which, I own, sticks a little too close with me still. For a woman shines not forth to the public as man, and the world sees not your excellencies and perfections. If it did, I should entirely stand acquitted by the severest censures. But it will be taken in the lump, that here is Mr. B., with such and such an estate, has married his mother's waiting-maid, not considering there is not a lady in the kingdom that can outdo her, or better support the condition to which she will be raised if I should marry her. And, said he, putting his arm around me, and again kissing me, I pity my dear girl, too, for her part in the censure, for here she will have to combat the pride and slights of the neighbouring gentry all around us. Sister Davers, you see, will never be reconciled to you. The other ladies will not visit you, and you will, with a merit superior to them all, be treated as if unworthy their notice. Should I now marry my Pamela, how will my girl relish all this? Won't these be cutting things to my fair one? For, as to me, I shall have nothing to do, but, with a good estate in possession, to brazen out the manner of my former pleasantry on this subject, with my companions of the chase, the green, and the assembly. Stand the rude jest for once or twice, and my fortune will create me always respect enough, I warrant you. But, I say, what will my poor girl do as to her part with her own sex? For some company you must keep. My station will not admit it to be with my servants, and the ladies will fly your acquaintance, and still, though my wife, will treat you as my mother's waiting-maid. What says my girl to this? You may well guess, my dear father and mother, how transporting these kind, these generous and condescending sentiments were to me. I thought I had the harmony of the spheres all around me, and every word that dropped from his lips was as sweet as the honey of Hybla to me. Oh, sir, said I, how inexpressibly kind and good is all this! Your poor servant has a much greater struggle to than this to go through, a more naughty difficulty to overcome. What is that? said he, a little impatiently. I will not forgive your doubts now. No, sir, said I, I cannot doubt, but it is. How shall I support, how shall I deserve your goodness to me? Dear girl, said he, and hugged me to his breast. 
I was afraid you would have made me angry again, but that I would not be, because I see you have a grateful heart, and this your kind and cheerful return, after such cruel usage as you have experienced in my house, enough to make you detest the place, has made me resolve to bear anything in you but doubts of my honour, at a time when I am pouring out my soul, with a true and affectionate ardour before you. But, good sir, said I, my greatest concern will be for the rude jests you will have yourself to encounter with, for thus stooping beneath yourself. For, as to me, considering my lowly estate and little merit, even the slights and reflections of the ladies will be an honour to me, and I shall have the pride to place more than half their ill-will to their envy at my happiness. And if I can, by the most cheerful duty and resigned obedience, have the pleasure to be agreeable to you, I shall think myself but too happy, let the world say what it will. He said, You are very good, my dearest girl, but how will you bestow your time when you will have no visits to receive or pay, no parties of pleasure to join in, no card-tables to employ your winter evenings, and even, as the taste is, half the day, summer and winter? And you have often played with my mother, too, and so know how to perform a part there, as well as in the other diversions, and I'll assure you, my girl, I shall not desire you to live without such amusements as my wife might expect, were I to marry a lady of the first quality." Oh, sir, said I, you are all goodness. How shall I bear it? But do you think, sir, in such a family as yours, a person whom you shall honour with the name of mistress of it, will not find useful employments for her time without looking abroad for any others? In the first place, sir, if you will give me leave, I will myself into such parts of the family economy as may not be beneath the rank to which I shall have the honour of being exalted, if any such there can be, and this, I hope, without incurring the ill-will of any honest servant." Then, sir, I will ease you of as much of your family accounts as I possibly can, when I have convinced you that I am to be trusted with them, and you know, sir, my late good lady made me her treasurer, her almoner, and everything. Then, sir, if I must needs be visiting or visited, and the ladies won't honour me so much, or even if they would now and then, I will visit, if your goodness will allow me so to do, the sick poor in the neighbourhood around you, and administer to their wants and necessities, in such matters as may not be hurtful to your estate, but comfortable to them and entail upon you their blessings, and their prayers for your dear health and welfare. Then I will assist your housekeeper, as I used to do, in the making jellies, comfits, sweetmeats, marmalades, cordials, and to pot, and candy, and preserve for the uses of the family, and to make, myself, all the fine linen of it for yourself and me. Then, sir, if you will sometimes indulge me with your company, I will take an airing in your chariot now and then, and when you shall return home from your diversions on the green, or from the chase, or wherever you shall please to go, I shall have the pleasure of receiving you with duty and a cheerful delight, and, in your absence, count the moments till you return, and you will, maybe, fill up some part of my time, the sweetest by far, with your agreeable conversation, for an hour or two now and then, and be indulgent to the impertinent overflowings of my grateful heart, for all your goodness to me. The breakfasting time, the preparations for dinner, and sometimes to entertain your chosen friends, and the company you shall bring home with you, gentlemen if not ladies, and the supperings, will fill up a great part of the day in a very necessary manner. And, maybe, sir, now and then a good-humoured lady will drop in, and I hope if they do I shall so behave myself, as to not add to the disgrace you will have brought upon yourself, for, indeed, I will be very circumspect, and try to be as discreet as I can, and as humble, too, as shall be consistent with your honour. Cards, tis true, I can play at, in all the usual games that our sex delight in, but this I am not fond of, nor shall ever desire to play, unless to induce such ladies as you may wish to see, not to abandon your house for want of an amusement they are accustomed to. Music, which our good lady taught me, will fill up some intervals, if I should have any. 
And then, sir, you know, I love reading and scribbling, and though the latter will be employed in the family accounts, between the servants and me, and me and your good self, yet reading, at proper times, will be a pleasure to me, which I shall be unwilling to give up, for the best company in the world except yours. And oh, sir, that will help to polish my mind, and make me worthier of your company and conversation, and, with the explanations you will give me of what I shall not understand, will be a sweet employment and improvement too. But one thing, sir, I ought not to forget, because it is the chief. My duty to God will, I hope, always employ some good portion of my time, with thanks for his superlative goodness to me, and to pray for you and myself. For you, sir, for a blessing on you, for your great goodness to such an unworthy creature, for myself, that I may be enabled to discharge my duty to you, and be found grateful for all the blessings I shall receive at the hands of Providence, by means of your generosity and condescension. With all this, sir, said I, can you think I shall be at a loss to pass my time? But, as I know, that every slight to me, if I come to be so happy, will be, in some measure, a slight to you, I will beg of you, sir, not to let me go very fine in dress, but appear only so, as that you may not be ashamed of it after the honour I shall have of being called by your worthy name. For well I know, sir, that nothing so much excites the envy of my own sex as seeing a person above them in appearance and in dress, and that would bring down upon me a hundred saucy things and low-born brats, and I can't tell what. There I stopped, for I had prattled a great deal too much so early, and he said, clasping me to him, Why stops, my dear Pamela? Why does she not proceed? I could dwell upon your words all the day long, and you shall be the directress of your own pleasures and your own time, so sweetly do you choose to employ it, and thus shall I find some of my own bad actions atoned for by your exemplary goodness, and God will bless me for your sake. Oh, said he, what pleasure you give me in this sweet foretaste of my happiness! I will now defy the saucy, busy censures of the world, and bid them know your excellence and my happiness before they, with unhallowed lips, presume to judge of my actions and your merit. And let me tell you, my Pamela, that I can add my hopes of a still more pleasing amusement, and what your bashful modesty would not permit you to hint, and which I will no otherwise touch on, lest it should seem, to your nicety, to detract from the present purity of my good intentions, than to say— I hope to have superadded to all these such an employment as will give me a view of perpetuating my happy prospects and my family at the same time, of which I am almost the only male. I blushed, I believe, yet could not be displeased at the decent and charming manner which he insinuated this distant hope, and, oh, judge for me how my heart was affected with all these things. He was pleased to add another charming reflection, which showed me the noble sincerity of his kind professions. I do own to you, my Pamela, said he, that I love you with a purer flame than I ever knew in my whole life, a flame to which I was a stranger, and which commenced for you in the garden, though you, unkindly by your unseasonable doubts, nipped the opening bud, while it was too tender to bear the cold blasts of slight or negligence. And I know more sincere joy and satisfaction in this sweet hour's conversation with you than all the guilty tumults of my former passion ever did, or, had even my attempt succeeded, ever could have afforded me. Oh, sir, said I, expect not words from your poor servant equal to these most generous professions. Both the means and the will I now see are given to you to lay me under an everlasting obligation. How happy shall I be, if, though I cannot be worthy of all this goodness and condescension, I can prove myself not entirely unworthy of it. But I can only answer for a grateful heart, and if ever I give you cause willfully, and you will generously allow for involuntary imperfections, to be disgusted with me, May I be an outcast from your house in favour, and as much repudiated as if the law had divorced me from you. But, sir, continued I, 
though I was so unseasonable as I was in the garden, you would, I flatter myself, had you then heard me, have pardoned my imprudence, and owned I had some cause to fear, and to wish to be with my poor father and mother, and this I the rather say, that you should not think me capable of returning insolence for your goodness, or appearing foolishly ungrateful to you when you was so kind to me. Indeed, Pamela, said he, you gave me great uneasiness, for I love you too well not to be jealous of the least appearance of your indifference to me, or preference to any other person, not excepting your parents themselves. This made me resolve not to hear you, for I had not got over my reluctance to marriage, and a little weight, you know, turns the scale when it hangs in an equal balance. But yet, you see, that though I could part with you while my anger held, yet the regard I had then newly professed for your virtue made me resolve not to offer to violate it, and you have seen likewise that the painful struggle I underwent when I began to reflect, and to read your moving journal, between my desire to recall you, and my doubt whether you would return, though yet I resolved not to force you to it, had like to have cost me a severe illness. But your kind and cheerful return has dispelled all my fears, and given me hope, that I am not indifferent to you, and you see how your presence has chased away my illness." I bless God for it, said I, but since you are so good as to encourage me, and will not despise my weakness, I will acknowledge that I suffered more than I could have imagined till I experienced it in being banished your presence in so much anger, and the more still I was affected when you answered the wicked Mrs. Jukes so generously in my favour at my leaving your house. For this, sir, awakened all my reverence for you, and you saw I could not forbear, not knowing what I did, to break boldly in upon you, and acknowledge your goodness on my knees. "'Tis true, my dear Pamela,' said he, "'we have sufficiently tortured one another, and the only comfort that can result from it will be, reflecting upon the matter coolly and with pleasure, when all these storms are overblown, as I hope they now are, and we sit together secured in each other's good opinion, recounting the uncommon gradations by which we have ascended to the summit of that felicity, which I hope we shall shortly arrive at.' "'Meantime,' said the good gentleman, "'let me hear what my dear girl would have said in her justification, "'could I have trusted myself with her as to her fears, "'and the reason of her wishing herself from me, "'at a time that I had begun to show my fondness for her, "'in a manner that I thought would have been agreeable to her and her virtue.' "'I pulled out of my pocket the gypsy letter, "'but I said, before I showed it to him, "'I have this letter, sir, to show you, "'as what, I believe, you will allow must have given me the greatest disturbance.' But, first, as I know not who is the writer, and it seems to be in a disguised hand, I would beg it as a favour that, if you guess who it is, which I cannot, it may not turn to their prejudice, because it was written, very probably, with no other view than to serve me. He took it, and read it, and it being signed somebody, he said, Yes, this is indeed from somebody, and disguised as the hand is, I know the writer, don't you see, by the setness of some of these letters, and a little secretary cut here and there, especially in that C and that R, that it is the hand of a person bred in the law way? Why, Pamela, said he, tis old Logman's hand, an officious rascal as he is. But I have done with him. Oh, sir, said I, it would be too insolent in me to offer, so much am I myself overwhelmed with your goodness, to defend anybody that you are angry with, Yet, sir, so far as they have incurred your displeasure for my sake, and for no other want of duty or respect, I could wish, but I dare not say more. But, said he, as to the letter and the information it contains, let me know, Pamela, when you receive this. On the Friday, sir, said I, that you were gone to the wedding at Stamford. 
"'How could it be conveyed to you,' said he, "'unknown to Mrs. Jukes, when I gave her such a strict charge to attend you, "'and you had promised me that you would not throw yourself in the way of such intelligence? "'For,' said he, "'when I went to Stamford I knew, from a private intimation given me, "'that there would be an attempt made to see you, or to give you a letter, by somebody, "'if not to get you away. "'But it was not certain from what quarter, whether from my sister Davers, "'Mrs. Jervis, Mr. Longman, or John Arnold, or your father.' and as i was then but struggling with myself whether to give way to my honourable inclinations or to free you and to let you go to your father that i might avoid the danger i found myself in of the former for i had absolutely resolved never to wound again even your ears with any proposals of a contrary nature that was the reason i desired you to permit mrs jukes to be so much on her guard till i came back when i thought i should have decided this disputed point within myself between my pride and my inclinations this good sir said i accounts well to me for your conduct in that case and for what you said to me and mrs jukes on that occasion and i see more and more how much i may depend upon your honour and goodness to me but i will tell you all the truth and then i recounted to him the whole affair of the gipsy and how the letter was put among the loose grass etc and he said the man who thinks a thousand dragons sufficient to watch a woman when her inclination takes a contrary bent will find all too little and she will engage the stones in the street or the grass in the field to act for her and help on her correspondence if the mind said he be not engaged i see there is hardly any confinement sufficient for the body and you have told me a very pretty story and as you never gave me any reason to question your veracity even in your severest trials i make no doubt of the truth of what you have now mentioned and i will in my turn give you such a proof of mine that you shall find it carry a conviction with it you must know then my pamela that i had actually formed such a project so well informed was this old rascally somebody and the time was fixed for the very person described in this letter to be here and i had thought he should have read some part of the ceremony as little as was possible to deceive you in my chamber and so i hoped to have you mine upon terms that then would have been much more agreeable to me than real matrimony and i did not in haste intend you the mortification of being undeceived so that we might have lived for years perhaps very lovingly together and i had at the same time been at liberty to confirm or abrogate it as i pleased oh sir said i i am out of breath with the thoughts of my danger but what good angel prevented the execution of this deep-laid design why your good angel pamela said he for when i began to consider that it would have made you miserable and me not happy that if you should have a dear little one it would be out of my own power to legitimate it if i should wish it to inherit my estate and that as i am almost the last of my family and most of what i possess must descend to a strange line and disagreeable and unworthy persons notwithstanding that i might in this case have issue of my own body when i further considered your untainted virtue what dangers and trials you had undergone by my means and what a world of troubles i had involved you in only because you were beautiful and virtuous which had excited all my passion for you and reflected also upon your tried prudence and truth i though i doubted not effecting this my last plot resolved to overcome myself and however i might suffer in struggling with my affection for you to part with you rather than to betray you under so black a veil besides said he i remember how much i had exclaimed against and censured an action of this kind that had been attributed to one of the first men of the law and of the kingdom as he afterwards became and that it was but treading in a path that another had marked out for me and as i was assured with no great satisfaction to himself when he came to reflect my foolish pride was a little piqued at this because i loved to be if i went out of the way my own original as i may call it 
On all these considerations it was that I rejected this project, and sent word to the person that I had better considered of the manner, and would not have him come till he had heard further from me. And, in this suspense, I suppose, some of your confederates, Pamela, for we have been a couple of plotters, though your virtue and merit have procured you faithful friends and partisans, which my money and promises could hardly do. One way or another got knowledge of it, and gave you this notice, but, perhaps it would have come too late, had not your white angel got the better of my black one, and inspired me with resolutions to abandon the project, just as it was to have been put into execution. But yet I own that, from these appearances, you were but too well justified in your fears, on this odd way of coming at this intelligence, and I have only one thing to blame you for, that, though I was resolved not to hear you in your own defence, yet, as you have so ready a talent at your pen, you might have cleared your part of this matter up to me by a line or two. And when I had known what seeming good grounds you had for pouring cold water on a young flame that was just then rising to an honourable expansion, should not have imputed it, as I was apt to do, to unseasonable insult for my tenderness to you on one hand, to perverse nicety on the other, or to, what I was most alarmed by and concerned for, prepossession of for some other person. And this would have saved us both much fatigue, I of mind, you of body." And indeed, sir, said I, of mine too, and I could not better manifest this than by the cheerfulness with which I obeyed your recalling me to your presence. Ay, that, my dear Pamela, said he, and clasped me in his arms, was the kind, the inexpressibly kind action, that has riveted my affections to you, and obliges me, in this free and unreserved manner, to pour my whole soul into your bosom. I said, I had the less merit in this my return, because I was driven by an irresistible impulse to it, and could not help it if I would. This, said he, and honoured me by kissing my hand, is engaging indeed, if I may hope that my Pamela's gentle inclination for her persecutor was the strongest motive to her return, and I so much value a voluntary love in the person I would wish for my wife, that I would have even prudence and interest hardly named in comparison with it. And can you return me sincerely the honest compliment that I now make you? In the choice I have made, it is impossible I should have any view to my interest. Love, true love, is the only motive by which I am induced. And were I not what I am, could you give me the preference to any other you know in the world, notwithstanding what has passed between us? Why, said I, should your most obliged Pamela refuse to answer this kind question? Cruel as I have thought you, and dangerous as your views to my honesty have been, you, sir, are the only person living that ever was more than indifferent to me, and before I knew this to be what I blush now to call it, I could not hate you or wish you ill, though, from my soul, the attempts you made were shocking and most distasteful to me. I am satisfied, my Pamela, said he, nor shall I want to see those papers that you have kindly written for to your father, though I still wish to see them too, for the sake of the sweet manner in which you relate what has passed, and to have before me the whole series of your sufferings that I may learn what degree of kindness may be sufficient to recompense you for them. In this manner, my dear father and mother, did your happy daughter find herself blessed by her generous master. An ample recompense for all her sufferings did I think this sweet conversation only. A hundred tender things he expressed besides, that though they never can escape my memory, yet would be too tedious to write down. Oh, how I blessed God, and, I hope, ever shall, for all his gracious favours to his unworthy handmaid, what a happy change is this! And who knows but my kind, my generous master, may put it in my power, when he shall see me not quite unworthy of it, to be a means, without injuring him, to dispense around me, to many persons, the happy influences of the condition to which I shall be, by his kind favour, exalted? 
doubly blessed shall i be in particular if i can return the hundredth part of the obligations i owe to such honest good parents to whose pious instructions and examples under god i owe all my present happiness and future prospects oh the joy that fills my mind on these proud hopes on these delightful prospects it is too mighty for me and i must sit down to ponder all these things and to admire and bless the goodness that providence which has through so many intricate mazes made me tread the paths of innocence and so amply rewarded me for what it has itself enabled me to do all glory to god alone be ever given for it by your poor enraptured daughter i will now continue my most pleasing relation as the chariot was returning home from this sweet airing he said from all that has passed between us in this pleasing turn my pamela will see and will believe that the trials of her virtue are all over from me but, perhaps, there will be some few yet to come of her patience and humility. For I have, at the earnest importunity of Lady Darnford and her daughters, promised them a sight of my beloved girl. And so I intend to have their whole family, and Lady Jones and Mrs. Peter's family, to dine with me once in a few days. And, since I believe you would hardly choose at present, to grace the table on the occasion till you can do it in your own right, I should be glad you would not refuse coming down to us if I should desire it for i would preface our nuptials said the dear gentleman oh what a sweet word was that with their good opinions of your merits and to see you and your sweet manner will be enough for that purpose and so by degrees prepare my neighbours for what is to follow and they already have your character from me and are disposed to admire you sir said i after all that has passed i should be unworthy if i could not say that i can have no will but yours and however awkwardly i shall behave in such company weighed down with a sense of your obligations on one side and my own unworthiness with their observations on the other i will not scruple to obey you i am obliged to you pamela said he and pray be only dressed as you are for since they know your condition and i have told them the story of your present dress and how you came by it one of the young ladies begs it as a favour that they may see you just as you are and i am the rather pleased it should be so because they will perceive you owe nothing to dress but make a much better figure with your own native stock of loveliness than the greatest ladies arrayed in the most splendid attire and adorned with the most glittering jewels oh sir said i your goodness beholds your poor servant in a light greatly beyond her merit but it must not be expected that others ladies especially will look upon me with your favourable eyes but nevertheless i should be best pleased to wear always this humble garb till you for your own sake shall order it otherwise for oh sir said i i hope it will always be my pride to glory most in your goodness and it will be a pleasure to me to show every one that with respect to my happiness in this life i am entirely the work of your bounty and to let the world see from what a lowly original you have raised me to honours that the greatest ladies would rejoice in admirable pamela said he excellent girl surely thy sentiments are superior to those of all thy sex i might have addressed a hundred fine ladies but never surely could have had reason to admire one as i do you as my dear father and mother i repeat these generous sayings only because they are the effect of my master's goodness being far from presuming to think i deserve one of them so i hope you will not attribute it to my vanity for i do assure you i think i ought rather to be more humble as i am more obliged for it must always be a sign of a poor condition to receive obligations one cannot repay as it is of a rich mind when it can confer them without expecting or needing a return it is on one side the state of the human creature compared on the other to the creator 
and so with due deference may his beneficence be said to be godlike and that is the highest that can be said the chariot brought us home at near the hour of two and blessed be god my master is pure well and cheerful and that makes me hope he does not repent him of his late generous treatment of me he handed me out of the chariot and to the parlour with the same goodness that he showed when he put me into it before several of the servants mrs jukes came to inquire how he did quite well mrs jukes said he quite well i thank god and this good girl for it i am glad of it said she but i hope you are not the worse for my care and my doctoring of you no but the better mrs jukes said he you have much obliged me by both then he said mrs jukes you and i have used this good girl very hardly i was afraid sir said she i should be the subject of her complaints i assure you said he she has not opened her lips about you we have had quite a different subject to talk of and i hope she will forgive us both you especially she must because you have done nothing but by my orders but i only mean that the necessary consequence of these orders has been very grievous to my pamela and now comes our parts to make her amends if we can sir said she i always said to madame as she called me that you was very good and very forgiving no said he i have been stark not and it is she i hope will be very forgiving but all this preamble is to tell you mrs jukes that now i desire you'll study to oblige her as much as to obey me you was forced to disoblige her before and you'll remember that in everything she is to be her own mistress yes said she and mine too i suppose sir ay said the generous gentleman i believe it will be so in a little time then said she i know how it will go with me and so put her handkerchief to her eyes pamela said my master comfort poor mrs jukes this was very generous already to seem to put her in my power and i took her by the hand and said i shall never take upon me mrs jukes to make a bad use of any opportunities that may be put into my hands by my generous master nor shall i ever wish to do you any disservice if i might for i shall consider that what you have done was in obedience to a will which it will become me also to submit to and so if the effects of our obedience may be different yet as they proceed from one cause they must always be reverenced by me see there mrs jukes said my master we are both in generous hands and indeed if pamela did not pardon you i should think she but half forgave me because you acted by my instructions well said she god bless you both together since it must be so and i will double my diligence to oblige my lady as i find she will soon be oh my dear father and mother now pray for me on another score for fear i should grow too proud and be giddy and foolish with all these promising things so soothing to the vanity of my years and sex but even to this hour can i pray that god would remove from me all these delightful prospects if they were likely so to corrupt my mind as to make me proud and vain and not acknowledge with thankful humility the blessed providence which has so visibly conducted me through the dangerous paths i have trod to this happy moment my master was pleased to say that he thought i might as well dine with him since he was alone but i begged he would excuse me for fear as i said such excess of goodness and condescension all at once should turn my head and that he would by slower degrees bring on my happiness lest i should not know how to bear it persons that doubt themselves said he seldom do amiss and if there was any fear of what you say you could not have it in your thoughts for none but the presumptuous the conceited and the thoughtless err capitally but nevertheless said he i have such an opinion of your prudence that i shall generally think what you do right because it is you that do it sir said i your kind expressions shall not be thrown away upon me if i can help it 
for they will task me with the care of endeavouring to deserve your good opinion and your approbation as the best rule of my conduct being then about to go upstairs permit me sir said i looking about me with some confusion to see that nobody was there thus on my knees to thank you as i often wanted to do in the chariot for all your goodness to me which shall never i hope be cast away upon me and so i had the boldness to kiss his hand i wonder since how i came to be so forward but what could i do my poor grateful heart was like a too full river which overflows its banks and it carried away my fear and my shamefacedness as that does all before it on the surface of its waters he clasped me in his arms with transport and condescendingly kneeled by me and kissing me said o oh, my dear obliging good girl on my knees as you on yours i vow to you everlasting truth and fidelity and may god but bless us both with half the pleasures that seem to be before us and we shall have no reason to envy the felicity of the greatest princes oh sir said i how shall i support so much goodness i am poor indeed in everything compared to you and how far very far do you in every generous way leave me behind you he raised me and as i bent towards the door led me to the stairs foot and saluting me there again left me to go up to my closet where i threw myself on my knees in raptures of joy and blessed that gracious god who had thus changed my distress to happiness and so abundantly rewarded me for all the sufferings i had passed through and oh how light how very light do all those sufferings that now appear which then my repining mind made so grievous to me hence in every state of life and in all the changes and chances of it for the future i will trust in providence who knows what is best for us and frequently turns the very evils we most dread to be the causes of our happiness and of our deliverance from greater my experiences young as i am as to this great point of reliance on god are strong though my judgment in general may be weak and uninformed but you'll excuse these reflections because they are your beloved daughters and as so far as they are not amiss derive themselves from the benefit of yours and my late good lady's examples and instructions i have written a vast deal in a little time and shall only say to conclude this delightful wednesday that in the afternoon my good master was so well that he rode out on horseback and came home about nine at night and then stepped up to me and seeing me with pen and ink before me in my closet said i come only to tell you that i am very well my pamela and since i have a letter or two to write i will leave you to proceed in yours as i suppose that was your employment for i had put by my papers at his coming up and so he saluted me bid me good-night and went down and i finished up to this place before i went to bed mrs jukes told me if it was more agreeable to me she would be in another room but i said no thank you mrs jukes pray let me have your company and she made me a fine curtsy and thanked me how times are altered end of section nineteen